1: From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. Here we are upon another weekend. Nice work getting through the week, everybody. Coming up, Shamir tells us about his new album,
2: Heterosexuality. As a Black queer person, I feel like um, people are so quickly to demonize me, even though I don't do anything to anyone. Plus,
3: our nerdy jobs series continues. I'm a big Excel geek. And also did a lot of data analysis for my day job, and that is definitely something that played into like designing a deck of 170 cards that are actually based on real bird characteristics.
1: But first, we're going to take a moment to chat about all the weird and wonderful things from the week that was. With us today, we have the hosts of the Slate Podcast, ICymi, Rachel Hampton and Madison Malone-Kircher. Welcome back, you two. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us. Okay, so let's start with the Winter Olympics. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like this is like the fifth Olympics that we've had since the pandemic started, partly just because of what is time. Um, They're in Beijing this year. The pandemic is definitely still a thing. Global politics are at a very weird tension point as well. Uh, Now, Madison, you have been watching pretty intensely, right?
4: Yes, I have a gold medal in Olympic watching.
1: (laughs) And you used to be a ski racer. Is that true? Ah.
4: I did. I grew up as an alpine ski racer, an extremely mediocre one. Uh, I must note, uh, truly, truly uh, was was not so great past the years. When you're real little, it's sort of just like, who's sure. over 100 pounds? Congrats, you win. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, so but funny. yes, I have an undying love for the sport to this day. And so if it is on the TV at any hour, I'm watching it.
1: So yeah, as a gold medalist in watching it, like what is standing out to you this year?
4: I mean, earlier in the week, we saw Chloe Kim absolutely demolish in the half pipe final, which was not unexpected. Two incredibly difficult tricks and ending things with the 1080. That's it, ladies and gentlemen.
1: That run right there, that is guaranteed gold.
4: But I think the thing I loved most, and to me, felt like a true Olympic moment, was she lays down run one, big air, great tricks. It's a gold medal run. It's very clear she's got this sewn up with a bow. And then she proceeds to go out for runs two and three and fall completely on her face because she's trying to throw even bigger tricks. She's trying to hit this 1280 in competition. Oh, it goes down, but going for it as well. That's why I love the Olympics. She's already won and she's like, but what if I won better? (laughs) (laughs) It's just so intense.
5: Rachel, are you watching at all? Is this your Uh, jam? Um, I must say that I I do not have a gold medal in Olympics <laughs> watching. I would, I don't even think I make the podium to be yeah. completely honest, yeah. but I do know enough to know the phrase, make the podium rather than win a medal. Mm. Um, so I, I mostly watch figure skating. That is, I just love people do things that I can't do. And to sometimes insane music choices, <laughs> obviously was watching Nathan Chen, mostly because he is very attractive which i feel like is getting lost in all the discourse about him breaking like an olympic record or making world history that's cool but also he's hot i feel like we need to talk about that more his hair looks perfect every single time he's on the ice what hairspray is he using i'd like to know
1: i respect and appreciate that very much was is it true that somebody did a routine to jesus christ superstar
5: it is true i saw that (laughs) what do you think that sounds like such a choice. That is exactly what I thought in my head is that was, that was a choice. What's wild is that his costume had like thorns around the top. He, he really went for it. And you have to respect that. You have to respect committing to a bit because. I guess
1: you do. Yes. Yes.
5: (laughs) Yes. So Rachel, did you follow this like jumpsuit controversy at all?
1: Because I thought this was pretty interesting.
5: Oh, I did not. There's a I love a jumpsuit and I love I a controversy. Know, right? Well, and
1: it's funny because it's like the ski jumpers jumpsuit. Con- it's like oh, that's what the word jumpsuit comes from. It's like people who are literally jumping. <laughs> But yeah, apparently, wow. I mean, it's kind of like the next in the long saga of, of like Olympics and I guess just like organizations regulating uniforms, especially of, of women athletes. Madison, did you follow this at all?
4: I did. It kind of reminded me of, this happens a lot in swimming, right? Yeah. We over the years have seen swimsuit technology evolve to the point where they're now, you know, banning certain suits on, on Olympians. Uh, it seemed like a really unfortunate time to find out that your fancy yeah, flight suit. That uh, sucks. Was not kosher for flight. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's really
1: interesting because it doesn't seem to be happening to the dudes as much. It's like, oh, y'all have opinions about bodies, huh? Like you want (laughs) to you want to tell us about those? You want to disqualify us from this? Great. Let's go. You
4: know, absolutely. I do think a lot about when I was a little kid growing up skiing. And, you know, if you had a bad day or somebody beat you and you'd be like, well, their skis were better. And I can just hear like my coach or my dad's voice in the back of my head being like Peekaboo Street could kick your butt in a pair of $20 (laughs) skis from a garage sale. It's not the equipment. Yeah,
3: yeah, she could
1: probably do better even on like with like sneakers or something, you know? (laughs) Okay, so the other thing happening this week that I think is interesting is so we're like officially entering awards season and Oscar nominees were announced this week. It was a very awkward like digital event hosted by tracy ellis ross and leslie jordan we pulled a little bit of the awkwardness just to really start off for flavor let's listen.
3: it's so appropriate that i just announced animated short film and live
2: action short for i am animated and short
0: <laughs> oh leslie and now here are the <laughs> nominees for performance by an actor in a supporting role
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, I do think Tracy had a lot of grace in that entire situation, but like, oh, good Lord, it just sounds rough. Did either of you watch? <laughs>
4: i did and i'm struck by how bad these telecasts remain how many years into doing these telecasts right yeah it just it shouldn't be it shouldn't be so hard to get these lists out in a short and entertaining format you know the most of the people watching it are journalists who then frantically have to type up the list so i know it's well, like expediency. you might as well just
1: like be like okay we emailed you the pdfs like have a good day and then just call it you know
5: it's always shocking to me when people who are professional actors cannot get it together to make something entertaining (laughs) it's kind of just like this is your job (laughs) Tracy Ellis Ross saying oh Leslie in that tone of voice then you know it's intentional because you know she can do something better
1: and that's the thing like I felt like with Tracy like the whole thing I felt like she was really like this is ridiculous like I am self-aware but I'm gonna just like keep this thing going which is like okay at least we have that for ourselves (laughs) I guess (laughs) So Power of the Dog seemed to really clean up, which I don't know, didn't seem particularly surprising. Um, Rachel, is there anyone who you feel like really did get overlooked this year when it comes to especially the Oscars and performances from films?
5: So I was a little surprised that um, Ruth Nega from Passing wasn't um, nominated for like supporting actress i felt like that film had a lot of buzz and also i think she was just incredible in it i yeah. was also kind of surprised that jennifer hudson wasn't for the aretha franklin oh yeah biopic because that seems like oscars bait to me yeah absolutely should have
1: gotten it well and i agree with you about passing too like that movie that movie was phenomenal Mm. Um, I know a lot of people were surprised that Lady Gaga didn't get one for the Gucci movie, especially given just that she was nominated in so many other awards. Uh, Madison, what do you think? Was there anything that just felt like severely overlooked to you?
4: Yeah, I mean, I would like to go on the record as saying justice for Mike Feist, uh, who played Riff in West Side Story, the leader of the Jets.
5: When you're a jet, you're a jet. All the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. When you're a jet, if
4: this And was simply so- phenomenal. I think that performance was really overlooked in this, uh, this awards uh, circuit.
1: Hmm. So who do you think will win Best Picture, Rachel? Personally,
5: I would like Dune. Mostly because Oscar mm. Isaac is in it. And I feel yeah. like Oscar Isaac deserves the world. Therefore, Dune, which was kind of a boring movie, should win. But I feel like Power of the Dog is probably going to win.
1: Yeah. And it it should
5: over Dune. It was objectively a better movie, but justice for Oscar Isaac. I don't know.
1: I think there could also be like the best picture
5: of your heart, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Oscar Isaac wins best picture of my heart every single day of my life.
1: (laughs) It's funny because I feel similarly about Timothy Chalamet. So Mm. I guess my vote is also weirdly for Dune. What do you think, Madison? (laughs)
4: I agree that in the logical, if I were making a ballot to win some money, uh, my vote goes to Power of the Dog. But in Mm -hmm. my heart, I would like to see West Side Story win. I love a musical. I thought this adaptation was great. Actually, that's another person who I thought of should have been nominated, Tony Kushner, for the West Side Story screenplay. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought the adaptation was really beautiful. And I think as a whole, the piece really... I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. The piece really sings. Oh. Uh, I, I think it's pretty likely we're going to see Ariana DeBose win uh, for her role as Anita. I think Rachel Zegler really was probably very much flirting with the line of a nomination here. And I think collectively, I'd like to see all of them on stage. Very happy. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds nice. So speaking
1: of big screens, maybe sort of the Super Bowl is this weekend. It's the Rams versus the Bengals, which are two teams that I mm, couldn't have told you where they were located before Googling that this morning. I am not a football fan, but I do kind of like to think of the Super Bowl as like an excellent snacking holiday, especially when it comes to a very calorie-dense dip. And I was curious what y'all think about about snacks this coming weekend. Do you have plans, Madison? Are you going to make anything delicious? I wasn't
4: going to, but now I'm thinking about it. And we do have this one comically easy family recipe, which my mother calls cuppa, cuppa, cuppa. And it is one cup Swiss cheese, one cup chopped red onion, and one cup mayo. And you bake it. Oh and I God. know that sounds gross. <laughs> Hot mayo is a terrible phrase. But let me tell you, <laughs> is it good? <laughs>
1: That is amazing. Do you do you eat that with a tortilla chip or like a cracker? A cracker? Your bare hands. (laughs) Just a spoon. (laughs) Oh, my God, that is amazing. That does kind of remind me. Ina Garten has a really beautiful spinach artichoke dip, perhaps unsurprisingly, and it involves all the. it's like sour cream, mayonnaise, cream cheese. And then your cheeses and your artichoke dip and your spinach. And it's like still pretend vegetables, but like, oh, my God, it's just so good. Oh, and butter and olive oil, of course. (laughs) Is that all? Yeah. You know, just all the good things and a bunch of onions. Uh, Rachel, do you have any favorite dips? the cup a cup a cup i feel like really he's gonna just take the prize on that one
5: i um am still in shock over the concept of hot mayo and we will be speaking after this recording madison about our future as a podcast couple Uh um this might be the end i (laughs) simply too much mayo i i do enjoy a good dip i'm not doing anything for the super bowl because i don't even know how i would watch it i don't i don't A ram, a Bengal. Who's doing? No, it's too much. But I do love a chance for a dip. I love a buffalo chicken dip. There's this one dip my mom makes, which is seven layer dip. Oh yeah, like refried beans, uh, chicken, tomatoes, cheese, green onions, like sour cream mixed with taco seasoning. Yes, it's just so good. Yeah, and it's a whole amazing. meal, basically.
1: <laughs> exactly.
5: Yeah. I remember buying some of that at the store
1: recently and like seeing the calorie count and being like, nope, we didn't mm-hmm. look at it. It's fine. Yes. It's great. That,
5: that's what's great about making it at home is you have no idea. I mean, you could find out how many calories in it, but that's a lot of math. And who's doing that?
4: <laughs> Not me. Add some mayo. Mm, throw
5: no. some mayo in
1: there. <laughs> One of my colleagues was telling me about pickle dip. Which I oh. wonder if that. I mean, I think it's just pickles and mayo. I don't know if it was hot though. Makes me wonder. Oh,
5: if it's. I think if it's hot, I can't. Hot pickle, hot You're mayo. So, so like upset. we're we're talking about my worst nightmare
1: <laughs> Well, what's great is in the Midwest, like you could pretty much just call that a pickle salad. You know,
5: you could add some macaroni noodles to it, and that that's <laughs> exactly. a salad. Call
1: it a win, man. <laughs> Throw some Jello on top. Don't worry
5: about it. <laughs> We're making some unholy concoctions right now.
1: I'm in. Sounds great. (laughs) Sign me up. Rachel, Madison, thank you both so much. This was very fun. Thanks, Ghana. Thanks for having us. Our next guest is Shamir Bailey, known as Shamir in his albums. His music covers a lot of different genres. He's made eight albums now, and he spans from pop to disco to punk and hip-hop. His latest record, Heterosexuality, has a harder, more industrial edge, but there's still some sweeter stuff in there, too. Shamir is with us now. Shamir, welcome to Nerdette. Hi, thank you. Can you describe the album art? I think this is magnificent.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I... Um, kind of like a Baphomet figure with like horns and
1: um hooves. And... Baphomet being like a, a mythical horned god. I feel like he's around. People have seen him and stuff.
2: You know, I don't want to do goat horns like the actual like creature. I wanted it. I wanted to just like, I don't know, make my own like version of it. Well,
1: and there is, yeah, sort of like a naturalist element. Like they're kind of, kind of antlery mm-hmm.
2: looking, right? Yeah, exactly. Antler, like kind of like deerish. Yeah, because um, I just felt like I look better with those kind of horns as well.
1: Mm, I love that vibe. So what is it about that, like, antlery creature that's so appealing to you?
2: Well, I think the Baphomet figure is, like, super misunderstood and quickly demonized. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, not inherently a um, negative uh, symbol. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way as a black queer person. I feel like... Um, People are so quickly to demonize me, even though I don't do anything to anyone. Um, So, yeah. And and also, I just felt like I look really good in horns.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the first track on your album is called Gay Agenda. Um, I'm curious what that phrase means to you these days. Like, what do
2: you think? I mean, I think it's a stupid word. Like, the song is about how, like, you know... People shout gay agenda at anyone, kind of like being themselves and like breaking any kind of convention, you know what I mean? Like, I've seen people throw out the gay agenda about like street artists, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just think it's such a silly term. So it's kind of like me like making fun of it, honestly. It's like how anyone is demonized for, you know, breaking out of like pre-made boxes that society have put them in.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's a theme that comes up in a lot of these songs. Um and I don't mm-hmm. know, I think it kind of in some ways speaks to some of the frustrations that you've talked about in other interviews around even like having to explain your voice, because I feel like that's mm-hmm. something that also doesn't fit into what a lot of people like boxes. A lot of one, a lot of people might want to assign. So like you have so much range in this album. Oh,
2: thank you. Um,
1: it's incredible. Is that something that like you really wanted to kind of showcase in these songs?
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I think I try to like push my range with like each record because I think I become a better singer with each record, and I also vocal produce myself for most of it, and I mm. think. I just feel more comfortable experimenting and pushing myself as a vocalist when I'm just by myself. Because over quarantine, um, I had to do a lot of like my own recording, and by the end of quarantine, I was like, I can record my own vocals. Like <laughs> I'm like I think I'm like good at it now. So I would love to listen to a little bit of the song Cisgender with you, partly
1: because I think it kind of fits into what we were talking about with like the box stuff too. So let's take a listen and then we'll chat about it. like Shamir oh my god (laughs) I just think it's amazing like and it's not like you're just hitting those notes like you are belting you know yeah yeah like that's just I don't even know
2: so for that that part specifically so cisgender is probably like the only song that really had gone through multiple transformations um I think it was like the last song that we finished um and I was like i was back home in nevada and i was like staying with my aunts over the holiday Mm -hmm. and i yeah i was just like let's just scrap it and just like do a whole like new vibe and i was like what's kind of like missing from this record and then i was like oh like something kind of like more like industrial metal would like be like really cool like the first take that i was doing after i recorded the guitar what i was doing to scratch vocals that note just came out of me like i don't know why I wasn't playing like i wasn't planning it like i had not rehearsed it beforehand um and i think it just came out because like my aunts happened to have been gone at that time so i was like okay let me just like (laughs)
3: let me just like experiment yeah (laughs) let me just
2: like experiment let's just see what comes out and when it came out i was scared myself i remember just like (laughs) in the middle of it like what just happened but just keep going keep going (laughs) oh
1: my god i mean it's gorgeous like do you think it does it feel cathartic to perform that i mean the song too you know it's so much about sort of like you know getting rid of those boxes about defining yourself based on what you're not in what seems like a super important and validating way like that's gotta just be like kind of an amazing fuck you to a lot of the structures that that have oppressed you right
2: yeah I think I think it needed to kind of have that like level of aggression because I think beforehand with it being more chill it had more of this like mournful like lethargic Mm. type of vibe Mm -hmm. when realistically I was angry you know what I mean and I think I was trying to bury that with the original and I think it just like really needed to have like that level of angst because that's where it was coming from
1: that's fascinating and yeah I think it translates beautifully I mean like the tension that and just the beauty of it too I mean it's a gorgeous song it really is thank you (laughs) So you said that Taylor Swift is a big influence on you in terms of songwriting. I think that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Can you like, what is it about her work that you felt like you you draw from?
2: I mean, it's just super earnest. You know what I mean. I'm not really one for like metaphors and poetry. Like, for the most part, you know what my songs are about. You know what I mean. And I think that is just like really powerful. And in and and doing it in a way that is like not simple. You know what I mean. Just straightforward.
1: Yeah, it's funny because earnest, I feel like so often people think of as, like, saccharine.
2: Mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm.
1: really doesn't have to be, you know? No. if In a lot of ways, it's just, like, it's honest.
2: It's straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's, like, the hardest thing to do. You know what I mean? Because I think right. it requires a certain level of vulnerability.
1: For sure. For sure. Right. Like, sarcasm doesn't.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know?
1: So, one of my... Speaking of chill songs on this album, one of my favorites is the song Marriage. Mm -hmm, And you have this lyric, I'm marrying me, which Mm -hmm. I just think is gorgeous. I mean, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminded me of Lizzo, honestly.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: I know self-care and self-love love can be, like, pretty obnoxious phrases. Yes, yeah. Um, but I don't but know. But need it. Right, yeah, I feel like you've still really embraced something. I was curious what your, like, what your relationship is to yourself these days, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people know, you know, I got diagnosed bipolar, like, um like, six, seven years ago, almost. Yeah, that sounds super um, hard. Yeah. And so I, you know, basically ever since then, I've just dedicated my life to self-care and it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, um, like it's a necessity at this point for me. It's like not an option. Yeah. And I celebrate it too. And I support it in the sense that like, you know, I hope everyone takes it seriously just like for themselves because like they want to and like, not because they've like hit a rock bottom like Mm -hmm. I did. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. What does self-care
2: look like for you these days? um lots of baths baths I realize are like my like like when I'm like I'm going to explode like a bath will like really really do it for me um walking yeah getting outside I love walking it's like so stupid how effective it is yeah cause I'm like not really like a you know I am lazy when it comes to like exercise or like anything physical but I like to walk I would say those like are like my two like main things that like I feel like keep me sane.
1: Yeah. So one thing I thought was really interesting as I was reading about you is that you have like a lot of creative pursuits. Like you've made all these albums, but like you wrote a book of essays about paintings you've done. You've done some acting and voice acting. You've written like a number of plays. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think like some of those other artistic pursuits give you that music maybe doesn't?
2: Well, I guess, like, one, I look at music, as like, even though music's, like, still, like, a love of mine, music is still, like, considered, like, my day job. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, it's the still, is like, it's the thing, you know what I mean? So, there is still, like, a lot of, like, compromise involved with music. So, I think it's nice to have other avenues um, to, like, for my creativity um, that is, like, not necessarily, like, immediately monetized or mm-hmm. something that I feel like I have to do to, like, survive, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like that's really
2: important yeah
1: yeah have you picked up any like weird maybe surprising at least to you hobbies especially during the pandemic
2: i've always like knitted and crocheted but i feel like oh, really yeah yeah since like middle school but i think within like the last couple years like i've been tackling like more difficult projects
1: yeah me too have you knitted anything fun lately
2: Right now, I'm in the middle of um, making pants. Like a pair of oh like, nice really? little like, bell bottom hot pants. Yeah, wow. Then... What color yeah. are they? Are, like multicolored. multicolored? Um, pink and purple. Pink and purple. Oh, my God. That's so funny.
1: I feel like we need to have you back just to talk about knitting forever.
2: I know I will talk forever. Oh so much I'm like, fun.
1: <laughs> I'm very much a nerd when it comes to like knitting and crocheting. Ah, this is very good to know on a show called Nerd At. We are very glad to have this information <laughs> show here. Yes. Well, one more thing I wanted to ask you about is your artist incubator. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like why? So pop star.
2: <laughs> yeah. So why make that a priority? Tell us about it. Because my start in the industry was so crappy. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um you know, everything is so for profit and I just under and again, understandably so, like we live in late stage capitalism and I think, you know, there needed to be kind of like this artist incubator situation that is completely not for profit and it's just about just about development. You know what I mean? And yeah. um and honestly like it's working like <laughs> like um Pull Blood was one of the first three releases that I did in the first year. Now they're like on a bigger label. Like Macy Rodman, she's like amazing. So if I speak
3: with the
2: Really cool to kind of like see it play out exactly like how I wanted it to.
1: I love that. I was curious, like the word success is so loaded, but I was curious what success looks for you
2: like right now today. I mean, like this, you know what I mean? Like I've been, you know, getting all of this like positive acclaim for a record that I feel like is me. You know what I mean? And, like, that's all that matters. Like, you know, I don't care about money. I don't care about fame. Like, I just care about making really good art and ensuring that that art not only resonates with people but also can be helpful and medicinal in certain ways, you know?
1: Well, I can't wait to see you in person someday. And in the meantime, I'm glad to know you've got all that knitting. too.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Shamir, thank you so much. It was so much fun to talk to you. Thank you.
2: In just a minute, our
1: Nerdy Job series continues with an interview with Elizabeth Hargrave, the creator of the game Wingspan.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, more info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events.
1: Time for another installment of our Nerdy Job series. This week's guest is Elizabeth Hargrave, creator of the wildly popular game Wingspan. She says it all started when she and her nature nerd friends realized all their favorite board games were about topics they didn't really care about.
3: We were like, why are there no games about anything that we're actually interested in? Like, why are they all about castles and trains?
1: Many of you have probably already played it, but for those of you Wingspan noobs out there, here's how Elizabeth describes the game.
3: Each card is a different bird, and you are playing out your own personal set of birds into this Uh, area that's sort of like a park that you control and the different areas in the park let you do different things in the game so one lets you get more cards and one lets you lay eggs which are points and as you put birds out into those different areas they make you better at doing those basic elements of the game
1: obviously elizabeth has thought a lot about that magical combination of when a game is both difficult and fun
3: so you have games with very simple rules like uno but also not a lot of decisions to make and you have games with super complicated rules that give you lots and lots to think about and the trick is to find that sweet spot in the middle where you have your rules as close to the uno rules as you can get but the the interesting decisions and the and the like meatiness there that um you know, people who play games that were designed for grown-ups sometimes really crave.
1: The thing is, Elizabeth wasn't always a full-time board game designer. For most of her career, she was a health policy wonk who just happened to really love playing board games.
3: My spouse claims that he was the one who said, like, there should be a game about birds. What if we had, like, Race for the Galaxy, but with birds? And then my brain just wouldn't let it go. And it became this very satisfying puzzle of like, okay, how how would I make this game?
1: Elizabeth says most game designers start like this. They probably have a totally different day job. And game making is just their super nerdy side hustle. The thing their brain just wouldn't let go of. Health policy and an elaborate game about birds may not seem to have a lot in common, but Elizabeth says she managed to find the sweet spot where they overlapped.
3: I'm a big Excel geek and also did a lot of data analysis for my day job, and that is definitely something that played into like designing a deck of 170 cards that are actually based on real bird characteristics.
1: Once a game is developed, there are usually two options for a game designer. You can do a Kickstarter campaign and make the game yourself, or you can find a publisher. In that case, they'll do all the manufacturing and marketing and distribution for you. For Wingspan, Elizabeth partnered with Stonemeyer Games. She says from the very beginning, it seemed like the game was going to be a thing.
3: They started a Facebook group, and they started, I think for the month before they started sales... They didn't, like, completely say what the game was at first, but they started just posting some pictures of the components and people started freaking out even just from that. In 2019,
1: Wingspan won a very fancy German board gaming prize for best connoisseur
3: game of the year. Trust
1: me, it was a very big deal.
3: I went to Berlin, came back from that, and flew directly to a site visit for my health policy job and was just like, I can't, I just can't do this. (laughs) Like, if I could choose to travel for my health policy job or travel for my game design, game conventions are a lot more fun. So...
1: Elizabeth found herself in a very lucky position. She was able to make the choice to step away from her day job and embrace games full time. In addition to Wingspan, Elizabeth has designed two other games, Mariposa and Tussie Mussy. So far, all three have strong connections to the natural world. But game four might be totally different.
3: Before the pandemic, I was working on a game that was about stunt people. It was a game that involved like physically flicking little people around and you know like jumping off of buildings physically (laughs) i need to get back to that
1: Elizabeth says the pandemic has slowed down game testing in general, but she is starting to work on stuff again. So we'll just have to keep an eye out for what's next from her. I would like to say thanks to Nerdette listener Jenny Miller for suggesting that we talk to Elizabeth. If you have an idea for someone we should talk to for our Nerdy Job series or just who you think would make a great guest in general, let us know. You can send me an email at nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. And since Elizabeth is such a big game nerd herself, we asked what she might recommend for a Wingspan fan to check out. We're going to put a list in this week's newsletter. You can sign up for that at wbeasyorg slash nerdataf. The show is produced by me and Anna Baumann. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. We will see you next week.